Fantastic. So uh, as Simon said, my name's Leon. I'm the senior pastor here at the church and it is great to welcome you. Uh, I know that there are some people who are here for the very first time today, so you are especially welcome. Uh, we hope you understand what's happening and we hope that you can connect in some way with what's happening as well. Um, so just to recap, last week uh, we started our series called Follow. How many of you weren't here last week? Where were you? Sorry, right, don't tell me. I'm not that interested. No, I'm joking. <laughs> but... Shame that you weren't here, um, but you were given an invitation. Everyone's now got like an invitation pack. Uh, and then basically inside that invitation pack is an invitation to the series and some resources and some ideas. There's a book written by an American guy called Kyle Eidelman, which we're using alongside this series, drawing out various ideas from it. We're selling these in the coffee shop or you can get them from the welcome area at the back. It's a great resource. Uh, and also in there is a... Um, uh, uh, and kind of notebooks. So again, you can make some notes on the sessions as well. Not everybody makes notes, but it has been proven that you will remember more of what you write down than what you just listen. So if you're interested in growing and taking some of these thoughts and processing them in your own life, find a way of capturing them in some way. And one, a good way of doing that is writing stuff down. There's also a pen in there, which has got our hashtag Zion follow thing on as well. And so basically what we introduced last week was this whole idea that religion, okay, religion says change and then join us. Jesus says, join me and then change. And that's massively different. So religion says, you've got to believe all these things and behave in a certain way and then you're in. Okay? Jesus says, and this was quite radical, Jesus says, you don't even have to believe in me to follow me. That's quite radical. But actually, when you look in the New Testament, a lot of the people that were first, the first followers of Jesus didn't believe in him at first. They just followed him. They came to believe later. Now, belief is important and behavior is important, but religion puts belief and behavior before the joining. And Jesus never did that. So Jesus invited people to follow him. And I've had some amazing conversations this week with various people. And this has opened up a whole new way of thinking for me as well in terms of how I communicate and what I believe in my own life. And I've had conversations with people this week that says, yeah, but I am a Christian and I do believe that, but I'm struggling to believe this thing. And so all of a sudden now I can say, that's okay, just follow him. And when I was a Christian first, I was brought up in, in, a, in, a, in a church that, and, and I give God thanks for all of that. I'm not decrying what my upbringing at all. But I was brought up in quite a tight background in terms of you've got to believe these things and you've got to behave this certain way. And, you know, if you're, if you're going to follow Jesus, then you mustn't go to certain places and you must go to other places a lot. That was church. And you mustn't go to any other places. And that was the fun places. Because if Jesus was to come back and you were in one of those fun places, you'd be in big trouble. And that's how I was brought up in, in, in that Christian environment. But you know, when you look at Jesus, he wasn't like that. He said, follow me. You don't believe in this? You don't believe in that? That's absolutely fine. Just start following me. Because out of the relationship that we'll have, belief will change and behaviour will change. But it will be me working through you rather than you trying to do it to get in. Does that make sense? That's what we said last week. It took longer than that, didn't it? But that's basically what we said. Okay, so this week, what we want to do is to look at the second bit to this, which is Jesus invites us to follow him, but he invites us to a relationship, not to a system, not to an organization, not to a religion, not to a set of rules. He invites us to a relationship. And that's what we're going to look at today. And there's two, the two questions that we're looking at through this series are this, are you a follower or are you a fan? 
In other words, as, as Simon says, it's possible to be a fan that's fickle, and we're going to look at that fickle word later, uh, next week, uh, but, but a fan knows a lot about stuff, but a follower really knows the stuff. And so, so we're looking at, are you a follower or a fan? And the second question is, if you are a follower of Jesus, and many of you are, are you still following? Because it's a verb, not a noun. So you made a, made, might have made a decision to become a follower of Jesus a long time ago. But the question isn't, have you made a decision? That's important. The question is, are you still following him? Do you have an ongoing dynamic relationship with him now? Or did you make a decision a long time ago? And those are the two questions that we're going to look at. And so to look at the one question. Now I realise that today there may be people here and you're just checking this whole thing out. In fact, you just turned up today. This is the first time you've been at church. That is brilliant. I think, okay, I think... And you need to weigh this yourself. You're here because God has been at work in your life. I think that. You might not recognise that, but I think that that's what's happened. But you're here and you're thinking, I'm not really sure I am a follower. That's absolutely fine. What you're here this morning is hopefully a picture of what we think it really means to follow Jesus. But if you are already a follower, there's going to be a challenge coming to you today. Because it's not just, did I make a decision a long time ago? But am I actively in an active dynamic relationship with God? Am I following him? Or, or am I a follower, past tense, and I'm not actually following him actively now? So that's what we're going to look at today. You see, a fan knows all about the thing, but doesn't know the thing. So on the whole Twitter thing we've been doing, as you came in this morning, uh, we said, if you were on a quiz show, what would be your specialised chosen subject? What do you know a lot about? And there was Doctor Who people and Villa supporters and all kinds of other crazy stuff going up there. Because a fan knows about something, they don't know something. Isn't that right? So I know the Queen, like I do. I know her name. Elizabeth to you, Liz to me, all right? Because we're on that kind of relationship. I know that I know her house. I've been to her house. Not all around it, but from the outside. I know she's into dogs. And I know she doesn't speak with a black country accent. I know that. But I don't know her, do I? I know about her, but I don't know her. And you know, it, it, it's true that many people who are Christ followers can actually get to a situation where they know all about Jesus, but they don't know him. And Jesus says, no, I don't want you to do that. I don't want you to know all about me. I want to invite you into a relationship with me. And in fact, he said something when these first guys began to follow him. Later on, he turned around to him and said, you know what? I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. Wow. So like God says, I want to be your friend. Not, not like a buddy mate thing. He's still indescribable and all of those other majestic things. But he wants a relationship with us. It isn't just about knowledge. It's about experience. And what I want to do this morning is to look at three pictures of relationship that Jesus speaks about and to invite you, to invite you into that relationship this morning. And you see, what happens is that kids have such an unfiltered, unpolluted view of their relationship with God. They think they can just talk to God and connect with God just in a natural way. But when we get older, we lose all that and it gets corrupted and polluted and, and whatever. L- listen to some of these things that kids say. They're so amazing, aren't they? So, so this one kid said this, dear, ki- dear God, if you watch in church on Sunday, I'll show you my new shoes. Isn't that amazing? Simon does that every week. He's always like going out with his new shoes. But that, that, that's unadulterated, isn't it? They've just got this relationship with God. And then this other one, and this, one, this is off the internet, it isn't because he's here in the room, but this one kid says this, Lord, is Pastor Dan a friend of yours, or do you just know him through the business? <laughs> you know, that's great. And then I love this one, just how amazing is this? Dear Lord, I didn't think orange went with purple well until I saw the sunset you made on Tuesday night. It's going to be an R factor, that one, isn't it? But actually, step back from the R factor, 
Isn't that amazing? How many of you have looked at a sunset and said, God, those colours really go. You're amazing. Because kids do that. But we don't do that because we're too sophisticated. And we're too like, ooh. But kids do that because they have a relationship. It's just unfiltered, uncorrupted, just perfect. God, I went to this wedding and they were kissing right there in the church. Is that okay? God, I want to be just like my daddy when I grow up, but not so hairy. Good prayer. (laughs) And the last one, dear Lord, I don't think anybody could be a better God. And I'm not just saying that because you are God already. That's profound. God, there's no one that could be a better God than you. And, And that's what happens when you're a kid. But then when you grow up, it all gets very complicated, doesn't it? And it all gets very polluted and corrupted. And I want to take us back this morning to, to three pictures of relationship that God invites you into, Jesus invites you into. If you follow him, this is what it's about. You may not believe all the right stuff. You may not behave in all the right way, whatever that is. But this is the relationship that Jesus offers you. Three pictures. Picture number one is the shepherd and the sheep. In other words, God is saying, Jesus is saying, if you follow me, you can know my voice like the shepherd and the sheep. Let's read a little bit of Bible to you. This is from a book in the New Testament called John, and you're going to see uh, the, the words come up on the screen if you want to follow it, but I'll read it to you anyway. So Jesus said this, The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he's brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. They follow him, there's the word again, because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they'll run away from him or her because they do not recognise a stranger's voice. Now, there's some background and context which is important uh, to us understanding this. A little bit of Jewish history, but not too much because it'll get boring. Okay, a little bit. So in uh, the Western world, in our Western world, sheep, uh, our relationship to sheep is basically one of meat. It's more of meat than anything else, okay? That's the shepherd, sheep, butchers, meat, lamb chops. That's it, okay? In the Eastern world, the relationship between a sheep and a shepherd is different. It's not so much about meat, it's more about wool. And the other thing that you need to know is that in the time of Jesus, the land in which Jesus lived in, in Israel there, was very diff- different to our land. Green and rolling hills, it wasn't. It's very craggy, desert, hills, cliffs, lots of wild animals. And a shepherd in Jesus' day was always on duty they were always in an attention with the sheep and their relationship with the sheep was such that they were looking after them not for meat but for wool and keeping them for the whole of their lives often and this is quite incredible because often what the shepherd in 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 Jesus's day would do is that he have such a relationship with the sheep whereas actually he called them different names not sure whether Barbara was one of the names but that's a really bad joke that's a really bad joke but just checking you Perhaps Eunice, we'll, we'll stop, we'll stop. So, so, so they have this relationship with the sheep where they know them. And interestingly enough, and this is quite a quirky thing, sometimes when the sheep gets so old that it can't do any wool anymore and it can't actually get out into the pasture, the shepherd would take the sheep into his house and it would become like a pet, like a domestic animal. Isn't that interesting? Because that makes a whole different perspective on Psalm 23 where David, who was a king but used to be a shepherd, said, you know what, at the end of my days, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in your house forever. I'll have this relationship with you all the way through my life and then at the end, when I can't kind of do any of that other stuff, you're going to take me into your house forever. That's the sheep and the shepherd. 
And in that relationship, the key thing there is that the, she- the she- shepherd says this, the sheep know me and the sheep follow me because they hear my voice. So I want to suggest to you this morning, in a relationship, if you begin to follow Jesus or if you are following Jesus, you can know his voice. You can hear him. And you might think to yourself, what are you talking about? Is that like a, a big booming voice, like a Charlton Heston, Morgan Freeman voice? No, it's not like that at all. And I want to explain to you how it works. And I've been thinking about this and said, how do I explain to people who perhaps have never heard this before or people who've never experienced this before? How do you hear God? How do you hear God's voice? Well, I thought about it and I thought, how do I hear God? How do I hear God's voice? And the way I hear God's voice is often, the best way I can describe it is through a whisper. Not the chocolate bar, that's a whole different thing, but through a whisper. And it's not somebody else's voice, it's usually my voice in my head, but it's like a whisper. And over time you begin to recognise that that's the voice of God, not just my voice. I want to explain that to you. You see, if you want to hear his voice, if you want to know his voice, if you want to have that relationship, two things have got to happen. You've got to get close enough to him to hear his voice, because often he does whisper. I love a story in the Old Testament where David, who, who at this point in his life is, is a king and he's a battle with another army and, and he's, he's with his generals here and Bethlehem, which is his hometown, is, is under captivity. So it's behind enemy lines and there's a well in Bethlehem and he's, he's there and, he, and, he's, and he's really desperate for some water from the well in Bethlehem. And the Bible says that he whispers out, I really love some water from that well. And the guys who are near him are so close to him that they hear their king's whisper and off they go behind enemy lines to get the water. I'd love to be so close to Jesus, wouldn't you? That he'd only have to whisper and I'd hear him. That's the relationship picture that Jesus says, the sheep and the shepherds. They know my voice, they're close enough. But secondly, you've got to be open enough to hear his voice. And then I thought, so how does that work? And how does it work in my life? When do I hear God whisper? And there are three areas that I think mostly I hear God whisper. Firstly, I hear God whisper assurance to me. Just assurance. And many years ago, I was going through a situation in my life where lots of things were happening. And I couldn't understand what God was doing in that period of my life. And, and the question I kept asking God was, God, where are you in all this mess? And I remember being on holiday. And um, we went into a church somewhere. Well, I, mean, I can't remember where it was. And in that church was Jesus on the cross it was a Catholic church, and there was just this graphic image of Jesus on the cross. And as I was just sitting there watching, I think Alison had gone to look at something else. And I, 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 around my head was this, like, God, where are you? And I, was, I heard God whisper to me, very simply, I'm where I've always been. I've never moved. And that isn't very profound to anybody else in this room. But to me at that time, that was God. Because that's what I needed to hear. It was a whisper of assurance. But sometimes there's whispers of an old Bible word called admonition, which is like challenge or confrontation or correction, you know. And um, I get that as well, a lot. <laughs> uh, last week, actually, I was walking over Clint and uh, I was praying, listening to some music uh, and praying. And uh, I was grappling with God at this stage in my life and leadership. What am I really about? You know, I'm doing so many different things. What am I really about? And all of a sudden I heard God whisper and he just he gave me five things, just bang, 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 bang. And then he said this, and it's in that order. I went, oh my goodness. So I went back and write it down. And that was God speaking into my life. But I also get whispers of action. When God speaks and tells me to do something. Says, you know, why don't you go and talk to that person? Why don't you go and phone them up? Why don't you send them a card? Why don't you do that? Now, all of that happens, not all of the time. But what does happen is that you get to learn over time that that's God's voice. Am I right? But the thing is, guys, this. 
if God isn't, it's not God is speaking, if you're not listening to God, then that relationship isn't there and it's meant to be there. We are meant to be in that relationship with him. So I've thought about how do I help people to, to, to do this as well. And, and I want to give you some practical tools. Not to be religious about it. You don't have to go and do it all. But it might help you. And then God whispered something to me. And, and it's just like, wow, that is what I do. That is how you speak to me. And he just said this, ready, steady, go. This isn't a tool that I picked up from anywhere else. It's just something that God spoke into my heart. Ready, steady, go. And I thought, God, what does that mean? And God said, that's how I speak to you, isn't it? When you're ready... And I speak to you. Then there's a process of steadying until you know that it's me and then you've got to go. And I thought, where's that in the Bible? And then I started to read around and I, and I remember Samuel, who's a young guy in the Old Testament who was brought up in the, in the temple. But do you remember it? He goes to bed one night and God speaks to him. And he doesn't know it's God. He's a young kid. He gets up and he goes to the old man who's a priest called Eli. And he says, what did you say? And I said, I didn't say anything. Go back to bed. You know, that kind of thing. And he goes back to bed and God speaks to him again. And he gets up and he goes to the old man. He says, you spoke. No, I didn't go back to bed. Finally, the old man realises that it's God who's speaking. And then the old man gives him a tool. And he says, go and lie down, be still and say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Get ready. That's the first thing. If you want to hear God, you've got to get ready. You've got to get some stillness in your life. You've got to get some quietness. And you've just got to say simply to God, God, speak. Because I want to listen. You can do that at the start of the day. You can do that through the day. Lord, speak. Because I want to listen. But then what happens next is this steady. So you sense God speaking. But how do you know that that's God? Anyone ever thought like that? How do I know this is God and not me? I mean, if it was Morgan Freeman's voice, it would help, wouldn't it? Do you know what I mean? But it's not. It's my voice in my head. How do I know that this is... And there's just five filters that, that you can just pass through. So, so, okay, God, is this you or is this me? If it's me, it'll probably disappear. If it's you, it will linger. So that's the first one. And then you can kind of say, and they're written down for you here, you can ask yourself, is this consistent with the Bible? With what I know of the Bible, that's important. Because if it's not consistent, then it's not God. So if you feel God saying, you know, I really, I think God told me to go rob that bank, it isn't God, all right? And that's, that's extreme, but it isn't. It's got to be consistent with the Bible. Is this wise? Is this in tune with who I am? Is this something I should check out with others? When you pass through those filters, ready, steady, then go. Then go. And here's the thing. You will only get to recognise the voice of God when you start going with it. And then you'll look back and think, Do you know what, that was God. I'll, I'll recognise that. Next time that happens, I'll recognise that even quicker. Because in your relationship with anyone, you recognise their voice quicker when you've been with them longer, don't you? Like I know my wife's voice, one word, and I know. And I'm very grateful for that. <laughs> because you do, just because of the relationship that you have. And it's the same with God. And so my question for you guys this morning is, are you following? Are you close enough to the shepherd? Are you close enough that you hear his voice? Or has it been a long, long time since you've heard God speak? Jesus invites you into a relationship where you can know his voice. Secondly, the second picture his vine and the branches. You can know his power as well as his voice. Again, in the book of John 15, verse 1 to 5, Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. I mu it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. 
Now, you can do something, but what Jesus is saying is, that apart from me, you can do nothing really in terms of real Christian relationship and, and, and of that, because you've got to be in the vine. And again, this is an important symbol in Jewish history, in the Old Testament, where it was a symbol of their national identity. Um, and, and the religious people in the days of Jesus thought, we're Jewish, okay, so we're connected to God because we're Jewish. Okay, because of our background and our heritage and our tradition and all the things that we know and all the things that we do. In other words, what we believe and how we behave. And Jesus came along and said, no, no, it isn't isn't about what you believe and how you behave. It's about who you know. Don't matter whether you're Jewish or not. It's about being connected to the true vine, which, which, and this will get very deep here, so I won't go too far, which isn't Israel in this context, but is Jesus Christ, the Messiah. If you're connected into the true vine, then you're in relationship with God. It's not your background, it's not your heritage, it's not how long you've been a Christian, it's not whether your great granddad was a Christian, it's not about all that stuff, it's about being connected into me is what Jesus is saying. And when you're connected in, you will experience the life-giving power that comes from the vine. You can not only know his voice, but you can know his power. The Christian life is not about us all trying hard, the Christian life is about us surrendering and letting Jesus live his life through us by his spirit, isn't that right? That's what it is. And when we're connected to the vine, we experience the power of Christ. And the word that Jesus used, the word remain, the old word in the King James Version was abide. You know, you remain connected to me. And, and I'm thinking, how do, I, how do I explain that? Then I thought about this, you know, if you've got a, an issue with, say, something life-controlling like drugs or alcohol, what you often do is, is if you want to get out of that, you find someone who is stronger than you in that area. Perhaps they've been through that and they've come through the other side. And they become like your sponsor And when you're with them, you kind of know that you're okay. But when you're not with them, you're weak and you're vulnerable. It's a little bit like that. And and you might think, oh, that sounds a bit codependent. No, it's not at all. Because when you come to Jesus, he's stronger than us, isn't he? In every single area. And I know that when I'm connected with him, I'm going to be all right, you know. But when I get disconnected from him, then that's when I'm in trouble. And Jesus invites us into a relationship where we can know his power. Like the vine and the branches. And I loved what Dan brought to us right at the start of the year. Just some prayers that, he, that Dan started to pray. And I've asked his permission to share these with you because I think they're great. And they're on your card here. Just, just little tools that you could use. You know, when you wake up in the morning, the first thing you do is not check your Facebook status or Twitter or even the Villa website. But say, Lord Jesus, I thank you I'm alive. I thank you that you are alive. Help me to live this day well for you. I want to start this day, Lord, acknowledging that I want to be remaining in you. I want to be connected to you. And then when the day's really busy and really active and everything's going on, you know, just pause for a moment. Just take a moment, a minute, and pray something like, Holy Spirit, I thank you that you have been at work. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're going to be at work. Holy Spirit, fill me again. Help me be alert to what you're doing. And then at the end of the day, you know, whew, thank goodness that's over. But how about just saying to God, Father God, I thank you for the day that has gone. Father God, show me where I've abused your grace and please forgive me. Father, I rest in you. Jesus invites you into a relationship where not only can you know his voice, but you can know his power at work in you. And I wonder how many of us, followers of Jesus, when was the last time you knew God's power was at work in you? You know, in this book, not a fan There's an amazing bit where he does a whole chapter on uh, living by the Spirit or living by your own effort. I encourage you to read it because I haven't got the time to talk into it all this morning. But there's a bit at the end of the chapter and I want to read it out to you. And I want us to do this as a bit of a 
challenge this week. I'm going to put on Facebook and Twitter this sentence this week by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'd love some of you to finish that sentence of what you've seen God do in your life. He did it with his Facebook friends, this guy. And this is some of the things that people wrote. By the power of the Holy Spirit, I finally forgave my dad. By the power of the Holy Spirit, I lost 150 pounds and quit smoking. I've forgiven my ex-husband for his infidelity. Wow. Can't do that on your own, can you? By the power of the Holy Spirit, we've adopted two boys from Ethiopia. I overcame drug addiction. I overcame a gambling addiction. I overcame a sex addiction. I overcame a shopping addiction. He's got a lot of addicted friends, this brother. But isn't that amazing? By the power of the Holy Spirit, not my own effort, but by God working in me, I overcame an eating disorder. I am now four years sober. I'm able to raise my special needs child even as a single mom. My marriage was saved. We conceived after being told it would never happen. My child returned home after three years of silence. I found peace when my husband passed away and I thought my life was over. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, I remarried my ex-husband after a long and nasty divorce. Wow. And I know in this room, we could write some stuff like that as well, couldn't we? By the power of the Holy Spirit, I. Wouldn't that be amazing? And Jesus invites you into a relationship. And out of that relationship, he gives you the power to do and to be what you could not do or be on your own. Isn't that amazing? And then the third picture that I want to look at is the father and the son. Or the father and the daughter. The father and the child. And again, it's not about a male father and all that, but the picture in the Bible is father and son, but it's really about parent and child. Not only can you know his voice, not only can you know his power, but you can also know his embrace as well. You know, I want to tell you in five minutes, um, one of the most famous and misunderstood stories in the whole Bible. In fact, it's my favourite story in the whole Bible. It's what I've spoken about more than anything else. It's kind of like a life theme, I reckon. And every time I look at it, there's always something different. But let me tell you in my my own words, if I can. Basically, we think it's about two brothers. One of them, the younger brother, is a rebellious younger brother. And he comes to his dad, who's a very influential dad. He's got a lot of money and a lot of wealth and a lot of real estate. And he says to him, Dad, when you die, okay, all of what you own will be split between me and your other son, my elder brother. Could you give me my share now? Now, what he's saying in the culture and the context of the day is, I kind of wish you were dead because then I could get all the cash. And the dad gives him the cash and off he goes to a distant land and he squanders it all on riotous living. Okay, just, just all the horrendous things you can imagine doing. That's what he does. Then the other son, the other son, the older brother, he doesn't do any of that stuff. So he believes and he behaves But the father says at the end of it, do you know what? You are just as disconnected from me as he was. But you just didn't leave the house. And we think that that's what the story is about, the two brothers. But the story is not really about the two brothers. The story is about the dad. The story is about the dad. You see, with the two brothers, it's interesting because, and I've heard it put like this, in the long run, it doesn't matter whether rebellion or religion keeps you from a vibrant relationship with the father. The result is the same. So some people go off and do all kinds of crazy stuff and then they come back to God. Some people don't ever do crazy stuff. They stay in church, they believe, they behave, but they are still a million miles away from the the love of God. Because it's not about the two brothers really. It's about the father in the middle of this story. 
And the real scandal in this story isn't the rebellious son or the religious one, but it's the passionate, loving father in the middle of the story. And this is what the Bible says. See, the younger son eventually comes to his senses and he starts heading home. Luke 15. So he, the younger son, got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms round him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And in his head, he'd already said, I'll go back to dad and I'll say, dad, I messed up and I'll work for you to make it right. That's what he said. But you see, what we've got to understand with this crazy dad is this. We try to keep points with someone who's no longer keeping score. We try to do things to prove how good we are and he's not counting. And that's how he is with, with his father. But the father said, but the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. It's awesome, isn't it? And the scandal is the father right in the middle of the story. Because let me tell you some things about it. No father in this culture would ever let his son even do that. He would never let his son leave the home. Like that. He just wouldn't do it. He said, no, you ain't having it. Get back in the field. Wouldn't do it. No father in this culture would ever wait and watch for his son to return. Because in this culture, if you did that to your dad, you'd be considered dead. No father would do that. Everyone listening to this story thinks, what a crazy father is this. No father in this culture would ever run for anybody. So as you see, he's running towards his son. People say, no, he's a, real, he's a rich man. I mean, you don't see David Cameron and Obama and the Queen. You don't see these guys and girls running, do you? They just don't do that. And that's the picture here. But this man is so passionate about reaching his son who was lost that he doesn't care about convention. He just runs. And no father in this culture, when they came to their son, who stank because he was with the pigs, and that's like the unclean animal in their, in their religion and all that. He doesn't care about any of that stuff. He just throws his arms around him and kisses him. And everybody who heard this story would think, that's scandalous that this father would do that. And Jesus says, that is what God is like. No matter what you've done, no matter how far you've gone, no matter whether you haven't gone from the house, but you're still a million miles. And he said to the other brother, that's what I want to do to you too. I want to embrace you. I want you to know that I love you. Nothing you can do that will make me love you any less and nothing you can do will make, you love me, will make me love you any more because I just love you. That's the embrace of the Father. And guys, that's not just a feeling, that's a fact, that's a reality. And I want to encourage you this morning. It may be a long time since you've experienced the embrace of God again. Jesus says, follow me into a relationship. In that relationship, you'll hear my voice, you'll know my power and you will feel my embrace. You will know that you are loved. And I said at the first service, it wasn't on my notes. You know, many, many people will say, oh yeah, I'm a guy, I don't need that. Or I'm not kind of that way wired. You know, I'm not emotional like that. Let me tell you that every single person on planet earth, their bottom need, their basic need is to know that they're loved unconditionally. And God loves you. Does he love you unconditionally? Yes, he absolutely does. And he kind of doesn't. Because he does in the way that he will accept you exactly as you are, but he loves you too much to leave you that way. So he wants to work in your life. But don't get it the wrong way around. It comes through embrace. It comes through relationship. It comes when you say yes and you follow him and he leads you. 
And one of the guys that I love to read uh, is a guy called Brendan Manning. And he said this, if we take all the goodness, wisdom and compassion of the best mothers and fathers who've ever lived, they would only be a faint shadow of the love and mercy in the heart of the redeeming God. And I said last week that the goal of following him is to eventually to get a faith that overwhelms fear. Remember that? And we have fear so much. But I'll tell you that, in intimate relationship with God, where you hear his voice and you can know his power and you can feel his embrace, fear eventually goes. We fear the unknown. We fear being unknown. We fear not having enough. We fear getting caught. We fear we'll never find the right person to marry. We fear debilitating illness. We fear for our children's safety. We fear what other people think of us. We fear they won't think of us at all. We fear crime. We fear losing a loved one. We fear authority. We fear what others might think of us. We fear rejection, failure, being taken advantage of, being alone, losing our jobs. We fear people finding out we're not all we claim to be. We fear not fitting in. And ultimately, we fear death. But in that relationship with God, all fear is gone. The Bible says perfect love drives out all fear. Isn't that amazing? And you will never find perfect love outside of a relationship with God. So Jesus invites you this morning to follow him into relationship. Why don't we pray? I want to invite you this morning. And actually, I'm going to invite you using the words of Jesus. And in Matthew chapter 11, in the message version, he gives an invite. And I want to read these words over you this morning and just invite you to, if you like, begin or to renew that relationship with him today. And he says this, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. That's that's a statement for someone here this morning. You will recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you will learn to live freely and lightly. Come, follow me. Lord Jesus, I want to pray that every single one of us in this room whether this is the first time we've ever heard about you or whether it's the umpteenth, hundredth time, I pray every single one of us will respond to you and will say, yes, Lord, I want to follow you. Might not get all, all my beliefs aren't sorted, my behaviours, all that. God, let's put that on one side. We just want to follow you. God, if it's true that you invite us into a relationship where we can learn from you, where we can hear your voice, know your power, know your embrace, then God, we want to follow you. We want to experience, and Lord, if it's been a long time, I believe it's been a long time for many of us since we've heard your voice or felt your power or experienced your embrace, then God, I just pray that even today, even in these moments, that this could be a moment of reconnection for us. Where Lord Jesus, we reconnect with the God who loves us. The God who loves us. The God who embraces, the God who runs towards us. The God who throws his arms around us and kisses us. God, that's the God that we want to follow. That's Jesus. That's you. So God, help us, I pray, in these moments, in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to invite you to stand. What we're going to do is we're going to sing for a few moments together. We're going to use a song which is an emotional song. It's got some really stark images in. 
But to be honest, I think we need that sometimes. Not all the time, but sometimes. Just to remind us and show us just how passionately God loves us. And what I want to encourage you to do is to respond to God right where you are. And just to reconnect with Him. Lord, I want to follow you. God, I want that relationship with you. But if this morning part of your response is, you know what, it's been so long and I feel so dry and so weary and so burnt out, I don't think I can even speak to God. We would love to pray with you. So there are some people here, they'd love to pray with you. They're not going to ask you loads of questions. They're just going to pray that God would reconnect with you, that you would start to hear God's voice again, that you would start to experience God's power and that you would start to feel His embrace again because that's what He wants for you. So we'd love to pray for you. You don't have to do that. Of course, it's your choice. But if you want to really follow Him and you say, I need someone just to pray for me right now, then come and we'll pray for you. If not, respond to Him right where you are. He's a great God, isn't He? And He invites us into a relationship with Him this morning. So if you want to do that as we sing, then please do that. There are some people that would love to pray for you this morning. Let's just pray. Let's just pray together. I want to just pray over you this morning and then we're going to sing a final song which kind of like says this is how we want to live like this this what I've been talking about this morning we want to live from the inside out we want to live with you driving if you're not not even driving but leading us from the inside not us trying to believe the right things and behave the right way but your life living in us but I just I want to pray over you just for a moment and, and just so just if you close your eyes for a minute and just while we were there I just felt a, a whisper again from God and it's going to be quite difficult for me to say this but our son's at university and often he doesn't call. I'm sorry if he hears this. We love him dearly. But as parents, we just want him to call. You know what I mean? It's not because he's not. He's a great kid. He just forgets. But when we hear his voice, and I just felt God said, that's how I feel about many people in this room. Just don't hear your voice. You're great. Just don't hear you. And it was like God said, I want to hear you. I miss you. When was the last time? It was the last time. I believe God says that, you know, that I heard your voice, let alone you heard my voice. And I want to pray this morning that this week there'd be a great release in our lives this week. That he would start to hear our voice more and that we would start to hear his. That we would know his power at work in our life. That we would feel his embrace. Some of us haven't felt it for a long time. And I want to pray over you this morning. Father, I want to thank you for every person here in this room. God, I thank you that you know them all individually I don't but you do intimately better than they know themselves and God you love them the ones who've been followers of yours for years and the ones who who, who aren't a follower of you but they're here you love them just as much God I want to pray that this week there would be a great release of relationship in our lives that we would hear your voice in ways we haven't before that you would hear our voice And for some of us, it's been a long, long time. And Lord, I pray that we'd know your power at work throughout us as well. God, I pray that there'd be many of us who would give up trying to do it all. And we'd say, Lord, I've tried on my own. God, would you please do it through me? And God, I pray that there'd be many of us that would know your embrace this week as well. God, as we stutter out some of these little prayers or try some of these things, God, I pray that in the trying and the doing of that, God, we would experience your power. We'd experience your power. God, we'd hear your voice. We'd sense that life and we'd feel your embrace. So Father, 
Now as we sing, this, let this not just be a song, but let this be a declaration of how we want to live from the inside out. Consume us, Lord. Lead us and guide us and direct us. God, we follow you. We follow you. And in the following of you, Lord, you lead us to become who you want us to become. So God, I pray that this week would be just an amazing week and we would hear stories of you, you interacting in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.